right, so Valerie, we're back on All This Noise. We are, right here. We live in these chairs, though. We live in them? We live in them. We live in them. We never leave. That's actually the secret. We never get out of these chairs. I wish the lumbar support were better, though. Unless if you're a deep fan and you've been watching, you notice that at some point we switch sides. I, well, <laughs> that's true. That's a, that's that's a deep, true. deep fan of all this noise, if you've noticed. What, I don't even know what I've said off the top of my head, but we did switch sides. At we, one did, point. we did. We did. Yeah. But, but then, well, I don't know. If you've watched the last couple episodes, we, uh, we keep you on your toes in terms of the sides in which we're <laughs> yeah, sitting. Yeah, that's how people keep coming back. Yeah. They're like, what side this is how we keep it fresh. sit on? <laughs> yeah. This is how we keep it fresh. I, I changed the logo that's like right here in the top left yeah, on my shirt. t-shirt swaps. Valerie has style. She actually has style. I, I don't have zero sauce. I try to bring some, some cool outfits. Uh, I pull out a different graphic tee because I'm in my mid-30s and I don't have to try anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyways, on, on that note, welcome back to All This Noise, <laughs> where we don't talk about her style because apparently we don't have much. I mean, dude, when, <laughs> you, when you print your own merch, it's like the easiest way of like never having to have a wardrobe. There also was one episode when we were matching in Brownies merch. So. That was cute. Oh, that just felt like forever ago. It was cute. Uh, we're back this week with Jaws. Yeah, big guest. Big guest. Yeah, especially because, yeah. like you said, we're here at Icon, and Jaws himself was an attendee. He mm-hmm. talks a lot about in this episode kind of his early years, which I love because I feel like I feel like whenever we have someone who has been here, they immediately just get nostalgic thinking about where they came from, which is pretty cool. Well, not only that, you know, as an Icon alum, one of the, I I guess, figures that helped build the the Icon legacy, his photos are here on the walls in the the halls. I know. I know. That must feel really nice, too, when you come back and you're like, I'm proud of myself. But no, we talked to Jaws about quite a few things. It was honestly such great timing to get him in because he has been releasing a ton of new music, new album, is about to go on tour. And there's a lot of thought that's gone into both of them, actually. Yeah. It's interesting to talk about. Definitely. I think both uh, albums that he released are sort of... uh, I don't want to say a reboot, but like five years ago, he he released The Wise and the Wicked. And now this is like the mm-hmm. extension of that two universes in which he's going to be touring. Yeah. And uh, we talked a lot about sort of his come up. Yeah. Meeting mm-hmm. a young Son Holo. Yeah. Uh, working with him and. Lots of familiar names. He's been around names. for a while. And I feel like he's one of those producers that is a friend to a lot of other people in yes. the music scene, which is really nice because yeah. we got to hear some really cool stories about people he's worked with. And Loved hearing about his breakthrough record and how he met yeah. his future wife and mother of his, his young baby. His and very young baby, nine months old. We talk yeah. about that as well. Yeah, a lot, dad. Of, a lot of great uh, variety in this conversation. Yeah. If you're here for the baby stories, <laughs> if you listen <laughs> to this podcast for the parenting tips. We've got them all. Uh, we got it all. So uh, all this noise, we're back. Val, I got I to gotta get a, a, a better shirt next time. We'll, we'll work on it next for episode. For those of you not we'll watching this, you're welcome. <laughs> we'll get Chad some better shirts, though, for those who are watching. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> all right. Enjoy this episode with Jaws. Like I remember mm. when we wrote, and I feel like a lot of people are we are we in the middle of the podcast? Yeah, right now? we're in yeah, the middle. We, are. we just okay. <laughs> <laughs> have we begun? Um, I, just, I just wanted to make, yeah, make yeah. sure because like yeah, I no feel like this shit, is probably you know? pertinent information Please. for the podcast. I remember cool. um, when 
Son and I wrote uh, the song that we made together, which I feel like a lot of fans probably don't even know exists because it's so left of center. For... Yeah. What's what's the name of the song? I believe it's called Okay. I think. <laughs> Should we look it up? You tell Val, the story. Val on, on fact check right now. Um, <laughs> but I remember the way that it started is like he. And, and, like, back then, I was a lot younger, and, like, I had a very kind of, which I feel like is ironic for me to say, because the goal of the Jaws Project has always been to be so all-encompassing and, you know, pushing the boundaries of everything. But, like, at that point in my career, I was like, I want things to be fucking heavy and sick and whatever. <laughs> and he, I remember he, like, sent me, like, a melody loop basically and he was like i think that this melody is really special and we should capitalize on it and that mm. was all he said he wasn't mm. like the song should sound like this it should sound like this mm. and you know back then was like he had that snoop dogg remix that was like super viral and massive and like he had you know stuff that was more like i guess like festival friendly so yeah. to speak very soundcloud leaning yeah um but like he didn't have any like bangers, you know what I mean? Like like he he had bangers, but like not like you know heavy and sick bangers. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I thought I was doing him a favor, being like, dude, I'm gonna make this right, like yeah. super sick like yeah, you know, dubstep at 128 BPM drop. It's gonna be fucking sick. <laughs> You're gonna man. gift him a blapper, right? There. Yeah, and like this is gonna like. Like, then you're going to want to make more stuff like this. And yeah. he never, ever did. And, like, I played it at a bunch of shows. I, I even still play it sometimes. And, like, like real OG fans, like, get all juiced up when I play it. Yeah. I don't know if Son has ever played it at a show ever. Like even, That would be an interesting question. <laughs> like, ever. So the irony of the situation was that he gifted you the opposite of a heavy and sick blapper. Yeah. <laughs> and you just never realized it yeah. until now. But, but I, guess, I guess the point of bringing the whole story up is like, now that I've seen San's career kind of blossom yeah. into what it is, mm -hmm. and like I've also grown up as an artist, I listen back to that song and I'm like, that melody really was special. And yeah. I like kind of made it the hind sight of like you know the opposite of the focus of the song yeah just because like that was like my producer brain at that time was like intros don't matter like <laughs> it's fucking you know well i mean they matter but like no but just jumping right into it you know it's it to me that was the setup to the the you know the grand prize yeah right but I mean, something that he's really good at doing that I have to give him credit for is like, he can take a very simple melody and just turn it into like, like, an, just like inescapable, yep. just like catchy, sort of all encompassing thing. And it starts from a very simple idea. Yeah. And that's how a lot of his songs are when you go see him in and concert. That's, and that's you know. how that loop that he sent me, that, that's exactly what it was. And like, I, I almost feel like if we like, I've thought about it. I mean, that project is definitely nowhere to be found. Because back then I didn't understand what backing anything up was, much less to the cloud. <laughs> this is a recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot um, of people say that. Uh, so, but but I I've thought about like I feel like if Song rewrote this song now, or even if we did it together again, now that I'm much less concerned with like a song sounding a certain way and just kind of like going with the flow. Yeah. Which is ironic because I'm putting out a full dubstep and drum and bass album right now as we speak. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Too. Yeah, we'll yeah, get to that. Talk about but, that. <laughs> but I think if we rewrote the song today, like 
it it could be exactly like one of those songs that you're talking about where like that melody is so catchy and so simple that right. like if you really made that the focal point it could be something so so awesome maybe i'll just do it and pretend that i'm i i've i've gotten pretty good at that nowadays where like i can kind of like channel other artists and be like what would it be like if i was writing this song yeah. with son today mm-hmm. maybe i'll just do it that, that's just like a fun exercise yeah i'm, I'm locking it in it. this fun. is happening also, now it's now i've committed to it on the internet i so. was gonna say i don't know son hollow that well but i feel like from what i do know about him he strikes me as someone who does back up his files so he probably has <laughs> he probably has everything yes exactly so i don't even know if that's just a son thing or just like a a, a dutch person thing like they're so meticulous <laughs> yeah, and like very organized yeah yeah that's yeah, just how their are. brains work i yeah. love it that's great. Uh, well, welcome back to Icon Collective, by the way. Yeah, Jaws here. Yes. Yeah, it's like I'm back in school. We're gonna we're gonna do some homework. We're gonna, everyone's gonna have to do some homework. We're gonna quiz you. There's a at quiz the at the end of, the end of this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, we were talking about it at this point. I don't know what was pre podcast and what is like. It's it just you know we can Everything you can bring it up podcast. again. Yeah, yeah. You know? Life is podcast. Um, yeah, life is. <laughs> I was I was saying you know uh, technically before the podcast started, or maybe we were, we were recording. So I'm who just knows? gonna say it again. Who cares? Um, <laughs> when I went to Icon, I was like I found a place where like I. Never in my life, ever, once, from, like, kindergarten to, you know, the end of high school, especially in college. I was not ever a teacher's pet. I never did my homework. <laughs> I, like, never studied. I never did anything. And then I came here, mm-hmm. and I was all those things that I hated. I was the teacher pet. I did all my <laughs> homework, like, literally minutes after it was assigned, like, during lunch break or whatever. Like, I was just so excited to, yeah. like, do, like, even the stuff that was so, like, Like, when I came to Icon, I had been producing for a while, right? Uh, Like, five, six years, something like that. I actually had songs that, like, had been posted by blogs under different monikers that we're not going to talk about. Okay. Um, (laughs) That's part of the pop quiz. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I don't like saying it, but I, I think I felt like I was already hot shit coming into Icon. Because, like, you know, I had a song that was had 10,000 listens on SoundCloud, which <laughs> at one point... <laughs> kind of me- yeah, meant something. Kind of tight, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, So when I first uh, kind of enrolled here, they were like, yeah, like, if you really want, you can test out of the first level of Icon because, like, it's going to be very, very basic. Like, mm-hmm. even back then, it was like they wanted kids who knew nothing right. about producing. Kezo is a great example. He literally had never touched Ableton before he got here. Mm, that's Not awesome. at all. Um, so that's like what level one was for is like really, you know, base level fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were like, you can test out of it. We don't think you should. And at first I really wanted to. And then, you know, I, I, I had like six months where I worked between college and here and I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm going to do the whole thing. Like I'd rather get the full experience. So like I had all this homework at the beginning that was like, the most basic shit right. you could ever do. Yeah. And even that stuff, like normally in any other academic setting, I would have been like, fuck this. Like, this is so <laughs> stupid. Like, why would I do this? And yeah. here I was like, okay, I'll do it. Like, I'm <laughs> so excited. Overachiever. You know, yeah. No, I was, I was everything I hated in school. Hey, but you know, that that's awesome that you found it here, you know, in, in, a, yeah. in a context and with material that, you know, means a lot to you. And yeah. obviously it's been your whole so, career. So I think that the the full circle point of me bringing all of this up is like, 
it's really cool to be back here and it's always fun to come back and like feel like I'm in school again because this is kind of the place where I feel like I found myself as a creative person and so i'm super stoked that you guys do the podcast here. oh dude Aww. happy to have you back and beautiful circle I'm sh- moment i'm sure they'd have you back here every day so you can you can yeah. master some well, stuff well I, I i i leave, live kind of far now so ah. the commute is a little today it wasn't bad not bad yeah. yeah 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 i wish i could come here more often for sure well, I like hearing your stories. I mean, the San Holo story, and you were telling us a little bit about a little bit about other friends that came through Icon that you kind of saw their early starts as well. Yeah. I appreciate hearing those stories from you because I think it's so cool to hear. Like you've been doing this for a long time. It, it's really sad to say, but I, especially now that I'm the big three O, <laughs> I've gotten a lot <laughs> more introspective. But like. So, okay, like, Very a lot wise. of people, like, they hear 30, and it doesn't feel that old. And it, right. it, it doesn't even feel that old to me, like, as, like, an age, yeah. or, like, a number. But then I think about the fact that I started, like, touring, technically, when I was, like, 19. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or, like, yeah. 20. That's crazy. Well, well um, you know, your first big song, Feel the Volume, yeah. came out on Mad Decent in 2014. Yeah. You know? Actually, technically, it came out on SoundCloud first. SoundCloud first. In, so Mad Decent. My, so I, I'm interested not to derail where we were going with this, but it kind of a tr- it kind of applies. This is how right? my brain works. Okay, is fine. Cool. <laughs> so that that's for a lot of people the discovery point of you know where they first first um, discovered Jaws. That that uh, would probably check out. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. and it feels feels like it was like a it foreshadowed a lot of where like American house music went in that. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I'm not trying to gas you up too much, but it was it was a huge. You know, breaking point. So I'll I'll give you the context from, you know, where I was at that point, which is like, and this is another uh, Icon Collective story. So it mm-hmm. feels, shout out, it, <laughs> it feels fitting. <laughs> so I was living with, uh, not far from here in North Hollywood. It was me and three other kids that all you know went to Icon at one point or another, mm-hmm. and you know I was like the fucking dubstep wannabe like to a T like I was listening to like excision Shambhala mixes on the way to class and whatever (laughs) just like doing all the things that now if I gave people advice I would say don't do that you know (laughs) why like I would I was like well because it was stupid is why (laughs) is like and and it it took me a long time to figure out but like you know I had a mentor that like uh because when you go to Icon Collective you have a mentor, I believe, once a week or twice a week. It's like one-on-one, like helping you work on your music. And um, every week he would be like, why don't you try to make music that sounds like you mm. and not like the people that you are inspired by? Mm. And then every week I would come in with a song that would be like, hey, this Eptic song came out that I thought was so sick. And here's a song that sounds exactly like it, but I don't like my song. I like his song. And he's like, yeah, because you're trying to remake his song. You're not trying to do your yeah. own thing. And it it was just like, literally, he was talking to a brick wall. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, There's I, something to like listening and like, you know, ingesting as many influences as possible as totally. well, right? And I think all of it as an exercise was super beneficial, like to my production ability. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish I had figured all this stuff out totally. earlier. Um, but my point is, you know, I was that fucking dubstep kid that was like, Upstep is sick. Everything else sucks. Like, 
you know, like, <laughs> you guys are fucking lame listening to fucking house music and whatever. So they, what, wow. what kind of house music were they into at the time? Like so, 2013. So uh, one of my roommates was Ryan, uh, Michaela, Brian Collins, uh, who is a teacher at Icon now. Oh, cool. And he was like the fucking house music snob. Like he was the, <laughs> the yin to my yang, right? Um, so arguments were heated in that household. It wasn't really arguments. <laughs> it was just like, I guess Debates. they were. No, they were arguments for sure. He'd be like, he'd be like, why don't you listen to this person? This person, like he, he put me on to like Hannah wants and like Lorenzo and all those guys back in the day. Mm. And, um, and like, you know, much houseier stuff than that too. But like specifically when I started hearing like the kind of Lorenzo Hannah wants like UK baseline, you know, whatever it was back in the day. Yeah. I was like, okay, like I hear like, it's like quasi dubstep sounds like old school dubstep sounds, but like at house music tempo with, you know, a four to the floor drum pattern, whatever. And I was like, I could fucking do this shit. I could, <laughs> I could, I could do it probably way more tight than they do it. Yeah. That's the American it, style. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. No, yeah. no. It, what it really was is I was Number 19. <laughs> yeah. I was I was 19 and fucking arrogant and stupid. Mm. Right, right, right. But well, but I needed of some of that. Right. I think you need a little bit of that bravado when you're young. Yeah. To just be totally. like, I can, you you won't have that irrational confidence to actually try to break into. Yeah. I feel like we talk about that all the time. Right. You have to be a little insane to pursue a career. Yeah. Music. Yeah. No. There. There's. There's a. There's a very specific word for it, and it's. It's escaping me right now. You have to be like. Words not delusional. Delu- Thank you. Delusional. Delulu. You have to <laughs> be a little delulu. Yeah, you have to. You yeah. really do. Yeah. 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 And it's like I think that's one thing that I've probably lost over the years that I I try to channel again. It's mm-hmm. like being delusional enough to to like yeah be like yeah that's gonna fucking work when you know probably anyone else and that that was feel the volume to a T yeah and like all the all the records I wrote back then I was just like I I wasn't like oh yeah, people are going to play this at shows. I wasn't worried about any of that. I was just like, yeah, this is fucking cool. And (laughs) and so Feel the Volume specifically, I remember I wrote it in 2013, uh, right before, I think, the first time I went to EDC. I wasn't there playing or anything. It was just Mo had gotten me an artist band and he was like, yeah, if you can figure out making it to Vegas, here you go. Um, And like, I had had... uh, I think I had one release on Bygor at that point that like Excision had played a couple times and a couple other bass music dudes. Like that was kind of like my wheelhouse at that point was sure. like, I knew a few guys in the dubstep world that like kind of liked what I was doing, but like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like really on anyone's radar, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And the issue was that like, that's who I sent feel the volume to. I sent it to all of these dubstep dudes again a little delusional because <laughs> i was like yeah like these guys would play this for sure i didn't know how dj sets worked i didn't know that these yeah. guys especially back then like yeah now you go see an excision set and he'll he'll play house music well yeah. his version of house music and whatever you didn't really stray from the tempos back then though or the no 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 no, yeah, the no not at all um so i had this you know delulu fucking <laughs> concept that i was going to send all these dubstep dudes feel the volume and they were going to be like oh this is some sick id that no one else has and i'm going to play it at edc for the first time even though i got it sent <laughs> two days ago and my set is tomorrow like whatever 
You had a band and a dream. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> An artist responded um, a dream. Uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked here. No, no, but, no. So yeah. But, so you had. The, so you sent it to the guys. Yeah. You did anything back from them? No, okay. nothing Crickets. at all. <laughs> um, but I will say that um, I was at Excision Set at the Base Pod that year, and it was also the same weekend that I met Joanne, who's now my wife and the mother of my child. Aww. Wow. And <laughs> so in the and end, there's the real dream. A different yeah. dream was <laughs> yeah. achieved. So it's, it, it, I guess it's worth mentioning just because yeah. it's a good story. I, love I, was, I was hanging out with her and I just wanted to do whatever she was doing. Fully lost the plot of being at my first EDC <laughs> as an artist. And was just like, oh, this girl's pretty and cool. And we were okay. watching Excision for a while. And she was like, oh, I want to go get a drink at the at the artist lounge. Not that I was old enough to have a drink. But I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Let's go. At Delulu. There we go. And as we're walking away from the bass pod, I hear the song that I put out on Bygor getting oh, nice. played by Excision. Yeah. You're wow. one of your idols. At EDC. You're, all that Shambhala. Yeah. But, but we're already halfway away from the stage. Oh, no. So it was like, I either stopped what I was doing, didn't say a word to her, and ran back to the stage. Oh, my right? God. Or I was just like, whatever. And I decided on whatever. Wow. And yes. But you she, made the right choice. She was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it looked like I was having an aneurysm, you know? <laughs> I can imagine that very and I was easily. like, oh, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And you she didn't was, even tell her? You weren't like, that's my song? Well, I did eventually. Okay. But she kind of <laughs> had to pry it out of me. I was like, no, it's fine. Let's keep walking. She's like, okay. And then she like turned around and she's like, is something wrong? And I was like, Excision's playing my song right now, but like, <laughs> it's basically over already. It's too late. Like, let's just go. Um, that's adorable. So, I was going to say adorable <laughs> too. Yeah, so that's really it was, it was. It was funny. Yeah. Um, it paid off. So, did you get that drink? She did. Okay. For she sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> after EDC weekend, no one played Feel the Volume or whatever. And, uh, but I sent it to Mo and I was like, yo, like, and even like driving to EDC, I was driving with a buddy of mine who went to Icon also, who was like, he was all into trap and dubstep and whatever. And I played it in the car and I was like, I think this record's going to be something. Yeah. And he was like, this kind of sucks. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah. cool. Wow. And then I played it for these other guys that were kind of like my, you know, big brothers, uh, uh, Styles Incomplete, okay. shout out. Yeah. I remember Styles Incomplete. Yeah. Trap legends, yeah, and they had, they had kind of taken me under their wing at that point, and I remember playing it for them. They were like, "Don't put this fucking pussy shit out," oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, what?" And they were like, "No, like your your like bass music stuff is so tight. Like, don't don't ruin your mm. whatever." And I was like, "Oh man, like, am I really like have I lost the plot here?" Mm. And then I finally was like, "Okay, no, like I'm gonna send it to Mo and see what he thinks." And this is Mo Shalizi. Mo Shalizi, yeah. The one and the only. The one and the only. <laughs> Shalizi Group Management. Yeah. For those who don't know. Yeah. So, Marshmallow. Who, to this day is still my manager. Awesome. Um, not to mention Gray and Adam and our whole big, illustrious, beautiful team that we have now. Hell yeah. Um, but back then it was just Mo and I, essentially. And uh, I sent it to him and he was like, okay. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, is that it? And he's like, I really don't think it's like going to, you know, do anything much. And I was like, well, okay, we're going to put this out on SoundCloud and okay. just see what happens. Yeah. And it started doing good numbers on SoundCloud. Uh, but what really kicked it off is that Mo, like, because at that time he was managing another dude named Kennedy Jones, who was a 
legendary trap music yes. producer back in the day. Shout out like, Kennedy Jones. Yeah, he was he was like on top of the world playing every festival. He was the dude. God, I'm going so far down a rabbit hole. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of history. I just love talking about myself. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> why we have you on here. Uh, we're going back to Delulu Zone. <laughs> yeah. You're not interviewing us. Yeah. You know, we're not talking. <laughs> um, so Mo was managing Kennedy at the time, and there was this like, it was called the Super Thread. It mm. was this email chain. That like every DJ, like before all the kind of like websites and stuff that we have now yeah, to find music, like that chain was like how all DJs passed music back and forth. And it was like, so it was like very gatekept, yeah. you know, like it was, it was run by a dude who ironically kind of works for us now. Um, or with us. I'm sure it was very controversial about certain people getting invited to the list. So Mo used Kennedy's email address and sent feel the volume out whoa and Hacking. and it was like it was like a huge point of contention like the dude that ran it was like yo like you can't do that that's fucked up like this is not <laughs> how it works like i'm gonna pull you guys off the thread whoa but um because of that it got into the hands of all of these other djs that i would have never sent the record to because i was just like this fucking dubstep kid i didn't think that anything outside of like excision and skrillex ever existed Mm, you know what mm, I mean? Mm, mm. So it was like, I went to Hard Summer that year, 2014, just for fun, just to hang out. And I remember, like, I was at Chami's set as a fan because my taste had started to evolve. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, he played Feel the Volume Sick. while I was there. And I was like, this is crazy. And I went, I ran into the tent, filmed it went crazy and like the whole day was just like a fever dream after that and i remember other people that were my friends being like dude like i heard this person played it and i heard this like seven different people all mm. played it at hard summer all that one day yeah this is what val and i were talking about on a previous pod about like that was the old school way of blown up and it still happens now you yeah. know you'll Which see like because i feel like we're going back to it more so than ever before yeah. now i i Yes, we will get we will get to this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so then how did how did Mad Decent come into play? So uh this was another bit of Mo magic. Uh <laughs> so so all these DJs are playing it. It's like catching fire and you know, we're just like, all right, sick, like I, I don't know what to do with this, but it's happening. Yeah. And Mo had sent it to just like a bunch of people in the industry that he knew just doing the job of a manager, being like, yo, this song is blowing up, like, here, here, boom, 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 boom. And one of the people he sent it to went to Burning Man that year and had a golf cart and was playing it <laughs> oh on the golf cart as they were, like, driving around to wherever. Yeah. And Wes, Diplo, stopped him and was like, I fucking hear this song everywhere. What the fuck is this song? Luckily, the dude knew me because of Mo. Whoa. And was like, oh, okay, cool. That's I'll pretty, put you guys together. That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, that's it was, how it came together. It was a lot of luck. Yeah, for sure. Right place, um, right time. Damn. And then, yeah, Mo, uh, I, we were doing a show, ironically, in Orange County, where I now live. <laughs> and he was like, hey, guess what? Like, Diplo wants to sign Feel the Volume. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's already out. And he's like, no, don't worry. Like, they, they can do this. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> this can happen. They were good at doing that. Yeah. 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 Um, that's cool. And that's, yeah. I mean, so uh, Paul Devereaux and all the homies over there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah they just that was, it. that was around the time of Jeffries. Yeah. It was like right before 
the heyday of Jeffries and uh, yeah, yeah, and it was like it's amazing. I, yeah, we put feel the volume out on Mad Decent. Then I got the Bugatti remix through them, and I did like five million fucking Mad Decent block parties. And like, I attribute a, a lot of you know where I am now because of a that song, but also kind of Wes seeing it before even maybe I saw it. Yeah. Do you and, feel like? Yeah. I mean, hearing back that story now and you talking about how, like, your headspace when you were like, I am dubstep man, basically, yeah, going yeah, into yeah. that. Do you feel like that helped start to unlock that train of thought? Because, I mean, at the yeah, time, yeah. Like, Diplo was not that, obviously. No, so no. that must have been confusing for you at first, but then... Well, but, I mean, to be fair, at that point, like, I, I think the real... And again, we're sitting in Icon Collective. <laughs> uh, it was, like, the last semester that I was at Icon there's a class called the art of flow which is like it's all it has nothing to do with music it's all about your mindset and your creativity and yada 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 a lot of heady bullshit Mm -hmm. but like i ate it up you know i loved it i needed it at that moment yeah Um, and it's probably the most important class to me that i took while i was here and it was really that like realization of like why am i trying to why am i trying to pigeonhole myself into this one thing like i'm just gonna stop giving a shit about anything mm-hmm. like i'm not gonna care what kind of music i'm making what genre tempo whatever like i'm just gonna fucking shit stuff out and hopefully it'll work yeah so i was already like kind of mentally primed for it mm-hmm. i just didn't know at that point that like you know that was going to be the song that changed everything i just yeah. thought it was a cool record yeah, you know? that's usually how it works, though. You never really know which. I mean, because it, ultimately, it's not you to decide, right? Well, and yeah. the worst part is when you think that you have that record. Yes, it never is, mm-hmm. which is even more the reason that I thought that that record probably wouldn't be it. Is I was like, I think it's really cool, which probably means it's not going to be that cool. <laughs> and everyone else was like, yeah. <laughs> and everyone else yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. Well, which is while we're on this subject, and I think that's awesome that you mentioned that specific class. You know that that's really cool that it stuck with you. You know, um, but that time, right? So you said you had already seen Chami. So Chami was already getting started, and he was someone who like also had his records picked up by like one offs, like on Fool's Gold, Mad Decent, yeah. and so on. But he had introduced what was dubbed uh, Future House. At the yeah, time. it was like it was him and Ollie. Oh uh, yeah, 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 Ollie. And uh, a lot of other people uh, coming. I mean, it's a, a lot of from Europe, but um, the Future House sound. And then kind of Bass House. Like, So tell, walk us through like kind of Bass House because it's kind of come back in, in a way. I, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but like... I don't know anything about Bass House, dude. I literally... So this is the way that I work now. Yeah. yeah. Where I used to be that like dubstep genre purist, whatever... Once I unlocked the part of myself where I was like, I just want to make everything and do everything, I then became the person who never wanted to be locked into one thing ever. Yes. So like, yeah. mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a fast forward, but like when, you know, Feel the Volume popped off and Rock the Party popped off and like, I was like, at a certain point, just kind of like making one dimension of music. And I recognized that people started associating me as that guy. I was like, I have to change this as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. I have to get away from this because, and I'm glad I did because like, especially back then or even more so now, it's like, if you, you know, kind of pigeonhole yourself into one genre and you don't end up being the 
king of kings of that one mm-hmm. genre. Yes. And you and you don't have any sort of, you know, elasticity in your kind of repertoire. Like the second that that shit isn't cool anymore, you're fucked. Mm. That's a really good point because what ends up happening is like you're saying, like, yeah, it does get whittled down with genres to like one figure that represents it. That's or, taking like, or even a couple maybe, but right, still. But only a few can actually make the revenue or like get the most attention if the genre isn't popular anymore, right? Yeah. And uh, it's like I I kind of made the decision with myself and way before I feel the volume or anything, like, you know, I came up with the whole music has no boundaries and the genreless kind of motif of Jaws. One, I was still at Icon. Mm. You know, so like I, I had committed to that yeah, a, a long time ago, but then I kind of had to be like, okay, am I just going to like run with this and like see where it goes? Or like, would I rather be the guy that's the jack of all trades and the master of none? Or would I rather be the, the fucking base house dude? Right. And that's all I can ever really be. Yeah. But you and, went with the former and you've, you've been, you're still around. <laughs> like, yeah, you, I, I am. I'm sure it has a lot to do with your longevity that you didn't get pigeonholed yeah i I would like to think so um i mean there's there's arguments to say that if you know maybe i had ran with it longer it could have worked out even better than it has Mm. but i mean that's a crapshoot yeah and it's like it was either like when when i really break it down it was like i would have had to continue doing something that i didn't have fully vested interest in just because i thought it would be the right move business-wise yeah and like the music would have never been any good. So it's like, I was like, okay, I'd rather do shit that I actually like. And like, if it works out or not, at least I'm like sticking to my guns and like doing, you know, something that- stuff you're happy. Yeah. 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 Cause like, why, why be successful and miserable or even worse, not successful and miserable? (laughs) Like I'd rather be unsuccessful and happy. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like the second that, it was, it was when all this happened to, to bring it back was when the term base house was coined. Mm. Yeah. And the second I heard that, I was like, Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> I don't like oh, that. No. I don't, I don't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it, we, we always mention that, you know, those genres serve a more important purpose for the audience to like understand what they're hearing. Yeah. Than the yeah. Artist, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I get that. Yeah. I Cause just, you know, like it's, it's a, like an endearment thing. You know, someone doesn't know and then they hear it. They're like, oh, I like this. What is this? And it's like, mm-hmm. it's Bass House. Oh, yeah. if you like this, you'll like this guy. Mm-hmm. It's just a way for people to kind of like under, you know, and, understand. And it, and it totally hearing. makes sense. I just thought, based, like, especially back then, like yeah. when you put those two words together and said them out loud and it hit my ears, <laughs> it was like nails on a chalkboard. Dude, I totally agree with <laughs> you, know you too I mean? because like the Brownies and Lemonade sound that we started to get known for in 2015 became Future Bass. Yeah. And... That's like the same thing. It was like, do not put those two words together in They're that order. They're so silly sounding too, aren't they? For some reason, they sound so silly. I mean, they they all kind of sound silly. Yeah, like the Stutter yeah. House, the new ones. Yeah, so that, is, that sounds even more silly or, for some reason. We're just well, running country out of words, rhythm. I think. Well, I mean, that's just like one song. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally <laughs> one but song. But it's also a genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, well, let's let's use this as a way to talk about the new music because I think... Okay. Let's fast know. forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Well, because about the no, the, the no genres. <laughs> Tell us about all of yeah, it. I thought you really took that yeah, question. Yeah, you, yeah. you that definitely do not adhere to genres. Your yeah, influences yeah. In, are yeah, all okay. over the place. So yeah, yeah. I, I got it. So, <laughs> so you know, over the years of trying to be as, uh, this is going to be an interesting term to say, uh, but yes. 
genre fluid. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> Sounds very 2023. That, that does. <laughs> it does sound really 2023. Um, of, of, you know, just trying to kind of do everything and be everything. A lot of positives have came from it. But I think one of the things that I started to notice is that, you know, whether it was when I would put out music or when I would play shows, mm. because there are so many fans that have so many different images of who I am or what I am or what I should be, more than likely is what it really is, is that they have an idea of what Jaws should mean yeah. mm-hmm. versus what I think it should mean. Um, there's basically no way, and, and this isn't just true for me, it's true for everybody, but there's no way to make, especially for me, every fan happy at every show, especially when I only have 75 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it is. Of course. I have a relatively large back catalog of music that people want to hear. I have a lot of new music I want to play, and I also want to make sure that the show is fun. Like, you know, I, I... I try really hard to play almost exclusively all of my own music. Right. But I also like, you know, I'm going to play like records that I think are really sick that like get the crowd going. I'm going to play, you know, sing-alongs every now and then. I'm going to play edits that I make, whatever it is. Um, but to put all of that together in such a short, you know, kind of set is legitimately impossible. So I always have one kid or 10 or 50 <laughs> after a show that are like, dude, you missed this song that is so important right how could you not and i'm like oh god (laughs) well so do you feel like you have the thing where i feel like your fans at this point now with your career being a decade long like fans have come in from so many different parts yes right so important songs to every fan is different exactly yeah and and it's like you know it's and this is another thing with being 30 and being (laughs) being in it for so long is like you know, I don't even think about the fact that there are kids who like probably have found out about me in the last few years who might not even know what Feel the Volume or Rock the Party 100%, are. Yeah. They're like, who the hell is this guy? Hearing that story you for know? the first time being like, or, Ooh. Or, yeah. or maybe, you know, like I would probably say that like the most recent song that would be like the one that people could associate me with is the trampoline remix. Mm-hmm. Right. Which sounds like nothing of any of the other big records yeah so like maybe that's what they think a jaws set is going to sound like yeah so i guess my point is like i realized and this isn't recent it was a while ago like i need to figure out a way to kind of give the and not just for the fans but for myself like the experiences that i want to be able to create with Mm. all these different kinds of music that i make and it was like context yeah and it's like at, you know, the, the goal has always been like, yeah, I can do all of these different kinds of music mm-hmm. under one moniker. I don't have to make side projects. I don't have to do like, that's my whole thing is like, it's just one, one, one thing. Yeah. But like, that means when you come to a Jaws show that I'm going to play like tech house and techno and, and, and like fucking like space blank yeah like <laughs> like uh bass house i'll just say bass house and dubstep and future bass yeah and drum and bass you gotta throw and... in that og you know excision excision dropped uh bygore record yeah you know? yeah you gotta but it's it's true to you yeah you know? well so i mean i, I that actually was a, a question i was gonna ask you is have you ever had a serious thought to yourself of like should I start a different side project? Are you really 
stayed committed to of the course, genre. Of course, I had the thought, but like yeah. that's that's where these albums came from, and that's yeah. where the original album, The Wise and the Wicked, came from. Is like, you know, my like the the whole concept of that album was like my brain is constantly going left and then right and then left and then right. Mm. Yeah, and the original album came out five years ago. Yeah, okay. yeah, 2018. So I was like, okay, like I have all of this music that sounds like this and all of this music that sounds like this and all this music that sounds like this. Mm. Let's package it together in a way that I can kind of create a story that, you know, uh, explains, you know, not not like matter of factly, but, you know, kind of, you know, in a more... Uh, like tells the story. It, it was more of like a... a what's, Dude, my brain is. This is what having a baby will do to you. Yeah, I believe your it. brain I just operates that. on forty percent. Baby brain all times. Baby fog. Yeah. It's baby like fog. COVID baby fog, fog, but your, but your but brain baby. turns into a Gerber food. Yeah. No, it's actually. This is a big aside, but yeah. there is actually studies that show that, like, within the first however many months of having a kid, your brain actually like shuts off parts that are unessential to like raising a child oh absolutely so you do like yeah. low-key get more dumb well you're so. <laughs> busy trying to keep a thing alive yeah exactly yeah. yeah um so uh it, it it was metaphor there you go it was supposed to be more of like a metaphor for like <laughs> we got there yes. yeah yeah <laughs> it was a metaphor for for, what? for like what my brain goes through yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um so then when I realized that the five-year anniversary was coming up and I had thought about doing an album mm-hmm. or a part two again, I was like, okay, what did I learn from last time? How can I make this better and like kind of, you know, achieve the goal that I really wanted to right. first go around? Right. Um, and at the end of the day, it was like, I want to be able to create these, you know, not two, but three worlds for my music to live in that, you know, a, it makes me more dynamic as a as a live performer and as a producer, but it, it it allows me to kind of go into all these different spaces. Yeah. And it like contextually makes sense to fans, whether they're listening to it or they're going to a show. Mm. Right. So it was like the first time I did the album, there were these different worlds, but they all were in, you know, one package. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like that. It is, that's what it is. And then you had the Jaws show and I tried to fit all that shit into one, yeah. you know, package. So to your question about, you know, side projects or whatever, this is, this is like the, the kind of uh, compromise that I made with myself. It's like, I'm not going to start a side project, but I'll create these worlds mm-hmm. that are separate from like a mainline Jaws show. Mm-hmm. So I can be like, okay, like, you know, Jaws presents the wise. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be all the housey stuff, all the like melodic stuff, like it's going to be completely separate than like if you just went to a festival and saw me play a normal set. Mm. And then with the album that's coming out now, which is called Wrath of the Wicked, but like the shows will be Jaws Presents the Wicked, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, the tour is already out. So if you're watching this, you've probably hopefully seen what what I'm referencing, but those will be the polar opposite where it's like, you know, I know that there are lots of fans out there that all they want to do is go as hard as possible for every single second of the show. And I could never do that at a normal Jaws show because mm. I would just go nuts. And I would also, <laughs> I would have to, I would have to cut out a lot of the music 
that I would like to play in a normal Jaws show. And same with the other side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if I went and played a normal Jaws set and it was 95 minutes of just, you know, cool house music that I love and like that I'm writing. Yeah. It would be very off-putting to a lot of fans. No, I think that's smart though. That It's like, I think you do have to communicate a little bit more now more than ever about what kind of genres or experiences you're going to get musically. If, like you're saying, just to address... Uh, especially if you've had a, a diverse catalog, um, but you also love drum and bass. You know? Yeah, and that's a the, is that the third world that you're referencing? Or no, so it, that's in this album. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the 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 single that we put out last week, yeah, is the first of three drum and bass records that are on this album. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people probably assume that like the wise stuff was all the house stuff, and then the wicked show is like the right. The normal Jaws stuff, but yeah. it's actually not at all. Mm. It's like this album doesn't have a single track on it that's 128, 130 B- BPM. Mm. It's all 150 to 170, whatever the fuck I wrote the drum and bass songs at. <laughs> 175, <laughs> whatever. Time, yeah. That doesn't matter to you know most people, but it's all dubstep and drum and bass. Yeah, it, or bass music. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't even like calling it dubstep at this point. Yeah. But yeah, because um, that in itself is yeah. A I know that's a, that's well. A, I have a question before we talk about the drum and bass stuff because I'm curious to know about that as well. But why did you pick Wise and Wicked to describe? Uh, I mean that was just like the that was just like the 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 concept that I came up with in 2018. Mm-hmm. I was watching uh oh my god what was that show Altered Carbon like. It was a hot, a hot two season Netflix banger. Dude, yeah, I was fucking like, loved that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people were bummed that it got yeah. renewed. Um, but I guess I, I'm I'm sure it spurred off of that, like the whole like, you know, there's like these, uh, you know, two kind of warring factions that yeah. like both think that they're right and the other is wrong, mm-hmm. and then you know at the end of the the story at the end of the album, there's the United, which is like the people that are like, Hey, both of, we can all, we can live merrily together. Yeah. And that, (laughs) and that is, has always been like kind of the core concept of the Jaws project is like, you can like house music and you can like dubstep and you can like this and you can like that. And you can listen to it all almost at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to pick one side or another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and also that's pretty, you know, again, that, that kind of is a ahead of the curve in a way. I mean, you listen to most electronic music albums now; um, they have they have so much variety, and, and you don't you you don't have to like really like broadcast that anymore. No. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't need to be like. I remember when GTA or Good Times Ahead, um, you know, back in the day, like they had the whole death genres thing, and yep. like it was like a very even for me, like the whole music has no boundaries thing, and like. I, ne- I haven't had to like really like, you know, broadcast the whole genre list thing for years now because yeah. that, that became. I think it was around like five years ago when that was like a big talking point. And then, yeah. Yeah. yeah we also, and it's just become. Even before then too. Like mm-hmm. I remember when I first started working with Mo, mm-hmm. uh, he was like, you have to pick. Like, are you like a dubstep guy or are you like a house guy? Yeah. Like there's no way you can do both. And then I did my first show at not at Avalon, but the place above Avalon. I think it's called Bardot. Bardot, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I was for like 75 people. Yeah. And yeah. I did like a 40 minute set and I played, you know, house music and dubstep in the same set. And he was like, oh shit. 
you can actually do it. And he's like, all right, fine. Like, and then someone out. like Joyride came along and is like mm. going through genres, you know. Yep. And a lot of people, I, mean, I know Miha was doing a party back then called Fuck a Genre. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. And a lot of people were, I think also Alza played a big role in that. Totally. Because I remember, yeah, a lot of those Well, and dudes, Sonny, Sonny was doing the genre list thing yeah. since like 2011. Just people, yeah. like he was such an anomaly right. that like, you couldn't even compare what he was doing to everyone else. And I, I, I do think that's where it can kind of get troubling for some artists, if I may say just from experience, because, you know, I used to do A&R with, um, with his, v, his A&R, Chris Morris, and, like, a lot of young artists used to come in and talk to us and be like, Sonny is, like, my idol. Mm-hmm. I want to just do what he does, like, everything. And it's well, like, yeah, that's not going to work for everyone. As everyone like, wants you know? to do what Skrillex does, yeah. right? So it's, there is some truth to yeah. what Mo is saying. It's like, you need to kind of maybe pick a lane. yeah. Now, not everyone's going to be able to have a career like yours where they can kind of do yeah. everything and kind of go between genres. I, yeah. it's, it's a Well, it's I think a hard... it's obvious. It seems like there are challenges that you have dealt with that are different than an artist that does pick one genre. Like For is, sure. For example, what you're saying about defining these shows for your fans yeah. and giving them the tools to understand what yeah. they're going to And you expect. would think 10 years in that everyone would get it. Yeah. But it's actually like, no. I feel like it becomes more important to like like beat people over the head with the concepts now more than ever because why uh i mean a we're old now and (laughs) the people who are going to shows are predominantly people not as old as us and not as invested i think in like the music industry not yet of things you know like they're they're just getting into it where it's like the people that have been along for the ride like yeah there's like a there's you know, I'm sure a sizable core fan base that they like, they know the deal, mm-hmm. you know, they know what's up, they get it, but it'd be, you know, stupid of me to assume that, you know, a random fan is going to find me on uh, whatever people use now, TikTok or whatever. Yeah. And be like, oh yeah, like totally. Yeah. He, he makes this and he makes that. That totally makes sense. Like <laughs> no. for them to go yeah. past the popular songs on your Spotify right. is asking a lot, you know, these it takes days. takes a while for people. Yeah. yeah. There's no need to have that investment, but it, it is interesting, like, what you're saying, like, with concepts, that is, like, especially with touring now and a lot of things, like, you have to have, like, the live show. It has to have a name. It has to have, like, usually, sometimes it'll be a single. Yeah. Because yeah. you just have to draw people in and uh, communicate, I guess, what, what they're going to get Yeah, from I the mean, show. this is the first time, obviously, it's the first time I've really done a concept like this also. Yeah. But, like, when, even when we were designing the flyers... I went as far as to be like, on the Wise shows, underneath where it says Wise, put in parentheses, house, tech, melodic. On the Wicked shows, have it in parentheses, dubstep, drum and bass, bass music. Yeah. Just so yeah. that like, even if it's someone who has no idea who I am, yeah. or they just heard about it from a friend, yeah. hopefully they can read. <laughs> and I gotta hopefully. say, I, I have to give you props. That the is a very, I know it's not the coolest thing, but it is so smart that you did that. I just have to call that out. Cause I think that is, that you just kind of, and, and ha- it still might not even work. Maybe not, but I think you're doing, <laughs> I think yeah. you're doing more of a service to your, to the audiences than, because like, you know, one, one thing is that, you know, Brownies Lemonade, we've done like these drum and bass parties yeah. and like people opt into it. They're like, yes, drum and bass all night long. But if we ever do an unannounced lineup and there's a secret drum and bass set for 45 minutes to an hour, people are mad Yeah, because they didn't opt. Most half the people maybe didn't opt into that experience. And like, yep. what, it's, what was that? It's a, it, I know? mean, and, and I, that's, you know, credit to you guys for having so many people that are fans of BNL that you have 
you know, a whole, you know, venues worth of people that will love it. Mm. You also have multiple venues worth of people Mm. that probably don't want to hear drum and bass or they don't know (laughs) that they want to. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's, it's a blessing and a curse, you know? Right. Um, but, but for, for you with drum and bass, like what have you seen? Like uh, the response and like, especially the evolution in the last couple of years. Well, also I'm, I'm curious, like where your love of drum and bass came from. I mean, so like as long as I've been in electronic music, most of my influence, although I've said the name excision like a hundred times already, um, like most of my real influence has always come from the UK, whether it's like, you know, Rusko and Caspa and Banga and like all of that in the early dubstep days to like, yeah. you know, Hannah Wants and Chris Lorenzo and the whole UK baseline scene that kind mm-hmm. of, you know, helped me get to, you know, the feel the volume kind of stuff. Um, it was just kind of like a natural progression of like listening to music from the UK that, you know, I got into chasing status and like the whole, like, I mean, there's like a million drum and bass guys yeah. from, from that area that I, I love. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I've always loved. Like even before I, you know, really listened to any house music at all. Like I've always like, you know, from like 2009, like, Cause even maybe back then more than it has been for a long time, drum and bass and dubstep were kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they lived in the same world cause they were both these like very, well, I guess drum and bass wasn't that underground in the UK, but in America, they in were America, both these sure. like yeah. very underground UK dominated sub genres of dance music that were just kind of like bubbling. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, one example to, to back up your point is like, um, I think people remember the sub focus remix of Hold On. Yeah. Which is like a dubstep and drum and bass tempo song. Back then it was mm. called drumstep. Drumstep. There you oh, go. God. Another genre that's <laughs> more so silly genre name. More more disgusting to roll off the tongue <laughs> than bass house even. Uh, but yeah. But back so, in the day I said drumstep all the time. I made when I was when I was at Icon, <laughs> I made drumstep remixes all the time. That yeah. shit was tight. So I think for also for yeah, the uninitiated or the layman. It is those those ter- that terminology is helpful. Right? Yeah. So, but um, anyway, but so drum and bass. Yeah, you've seen it grow then since that point. Yeah, and I I always tried to make it a point. Like I think even as early as like when I played the main stage of EDC 2016, I played like five or six drum and bass songs in my set, and I'd never made a drum and bass record as Jaws. You know, I've always tried to kind of be the guy in the States that like, even, you know, when no one really gave a fuck about me. Yeah. Not that they really do now, but maybe more than before. <laughs> well, that's some very brave. Some do for sure. Yeah. 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 Some people. <laughs> um, but I was very brave of you to play that. At oh the yeah. Stage. I've, I've know, watched 2016. at this point, yeah. I've watched probably hundreds of thousands of people drop dead in <laughs> not, not literally drop dead, but like in terms of energy, I've oh. watched crowds <laughs> of, of 30 to 40,000 yeah. people just completely just, lose interest yeah. for a full yeah. 10 minutes. But I knew that eventually it was going to figure itself out. At this like, exact moment for you to be like, yeah. look, I was right. So yeah. do you think that we're, we're getting close in the States? I think we're more than close. Okay. I mean, dude, fucking Tyler Nightmare and, and NetSky just did that huge Grand Park show. You guys have been crushing the the drum and bass events like i remember i went with elenium to the one that you guys did oh yeah you're there for uh, sub focus yeah right? for sub focus and i can't remember who else was there but like yeah dude those shows are are like it was fucking rocking mm-hmm. you know and it's like i think kids are ready for it um 
maybe it's not like, you know, like having a moment like it is in the UK right now where it's like pop radio. Right. But we're, we're well on our way. We're much closer than I thought we would be. Yeah. And, and we, we talk about this too, like in places like K-pop and in other, um, completely different scenes you're hearing uk garage and mm-hmm. and and breaks okay so that's the one not to get sidetracked for the 30th time that's <laughs> the one away. that's the one that threw me for a fucking loop yeah because K-pop? no the garage oh the garage like, the yeah. fred again fucking like this whole thing that's happening because like of all the genres that i've ever wanted to like really pop off in the states and be able to like because like that was kind of a big foundational piece of jaws back in the day and I didn't even realize it until I would like play shows and promoters like 2015, 16 would be like, never stop making breaks, never stop making garage. And I was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like the break beat kind of like what I would have equivalented or is equivalented a word? No. No. It sounds like a word. <laughs> no. It's not, but it sounds like one. Yeah. Uh, what I would have equated. 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 There, you there you go. I was yes. thinking about it too. I was like, is that, I'm trying the to get to know. I, 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 I went too hard. I went too hard. You would have equated. I would have equated it to like, you know, like, like uh, Deeper Love is like one of those like Feel the Volume-esque records. And the second drop of it is Breakbeat. Yeah. It wasn't because I was trying to do garage. It was just like, how do I make this second drop feel a little different? Yeah. Well, one thing I, I kind of equate it to as, as well is that like, you know, in the late 90s, 2000s, like we had some crossover records in the United States that were garage, like breakbeat. So it's like Daniel Bedingfield. I was literally, get through this. I, was, I was about yeah. to start yeah. doing the, the, the riff. <laughs> Everyone knows that, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, like Craig David, there's like a, other people. Oh, or yeah. if you really want to get really meta about it like Let's half of the pop music that we grew up with are essentially breakbeats right. like all of the like in sync records yeah britney spears whatever all the max martin stuff yeah all the yeah. max martin stuff it is yeah. like 120 ish bpm breakbeats yeah and or know? or just slow down to 100 yeah BPM. Whatever, whatever it is but that i still think drum and bass hasn't had that yet but the, yeah. those higher tempo sort of uk yeah um, we are rhythm. getting close though with we're, the k-pop thing yeah we're getting sure. we're just like we're testing the waters you know or, pink panthers you or, know? Yes, yeah. yeah or like the shit that i hear on tiktok that's like sped you know up. the hundred yeah, the, yeah all the sped up like even if it's not drum and bass but like 150 160 170 like four to the floor like super aggro rave music like that's I mean, that's a precursor to drum and bass if I've ever heard one. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you know, if you're at Hard Summer this year, you saw multiple drum and bass acts in the Coliseum. So, I mean, I we're getting there. It's just, um, I think maybe in LA, we might be in a little bit of a bubble comparatively to the rest of the United States. But I do think... Yeah, but you know, LA sets the tone. Yeah. We, we, we'll always take the risks and set the tone. And then, you know... You know what I think we're missing as far as the actual like push over the edge for the drum and bass is we're not, I don't think America's quite yet ready to be like grimy enough to have the live experience. I could not disagree. (laughs) Really? Ooh, here we go. Whoa. This is a debate. Yeah, let's have a debate. Look at fucking Lost Lands and Bass Canyon and all of these excision led festivals. Like, like it's, that shit is what is like maybe the craziest to me is like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I grew up as a metal kid. And so I went to Warp Tour every year and like all these metal festivals yeah. and like, you know, at a certain point I started seeing like all of these like, you know, girls that were my age. Cause like most of the time it was me and like a couple buddies and we'd go to shows in San Francisco and it was like 
predominantly 38 to 47 year old dudes like dudes that were bald <laughs> with goatees yeah, yeah the know? first wave of dubstep in the u.s not to cut you off but it was like it the shows were all guys and it got a really bad rap for that yeah you know? for yeah. sure yeah, yeah. And but it has changed. You're, yeah. It's like, it, it's as close so, to 50% as, you know? Yeah. Well, it, almost more. Because, like, now it's, like, it's this cool thing. And it's, it's like, this is, my point is, like, it's the parallel to what happened with, like, girls getting into, like, screamo and that kind of music yeah. during the Warp Tour days. Yes. It's, like, it became this cool thing to be, like, counterculture, like, look super gnarly, like, all these, like, you know, like, uh, fucking EDM influencer chicks on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say that in like a derogatory or mean way. <laughs> it's just like a, to, just it, that it, genre of person. That's, that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like, um, but they're like, they're like, I ride the rail and I fucking, I slam my nose on the rail and I'm like covered in blood and where it's cool. I have seven pashminas to like fucking. <laughs> to wipe it off. Wipe yeah. Off. Wait, so, but like, so why do you think that we're, we're not grimy enough? Well, see, I kind of think what you said means that we're not grimy enough. Like I, like I respect the rail riders, deep respect for a rail rider. You think but it's performative? I think it's, I think it's an EDM influencer saying that they're riding the rails. That's kind of still where we are. Again, I mean, nothing I wrong know, with dude, it. Check I think the it's just where sales, we are. Like, <laughs> The, the, well, so here's here's my my as a uh, moderator here. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before so Mal like, and I start the, the feedback, fighting over this. <laughs> so like, gatekeepers the aside, the number one criticism I see from a lot of like the you know in the know drum and bass people about mm. our parties or the American scene is that we don't know how to dance to drum and bass or like we don't know how to react. I I'm, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but I think that there's a bigger thing there. Okay. And what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, break it down. And Whoa. this is probably one of the reasons that drum and bass has not cracked in the States. And I'm going to piss off a lot of people by saying this, okay. but I don't really fucking care because I'm an American and I live in <laughs> the fucking land of the free and I can say what I want with no repercussions ever. Um, drum and bass has been for a long time and I think it still is, although I think they're getting, certain people are getting the picture now. Um, it's been really fucking snobby. Yeah. Really yeah, fucking snobby. It's the same true. way that really house music has been forever. And it was not until their, you know, the rise of the Fisher and the, and I mean, I won't even put Chris Lake in that boat because he's just this fucking dude who does his thing. He just he, transcends. Yeah. <laughs> right. He, he, yeah. Chris is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Fishers, the Acres, that kind of like very American forward. Yeah. plays this kind of music that normally used to be very gatekept and like you had to be cool enough yeah to listen like to the it, like the Seth Troxlers of the world mm-hmm. you know what I mean sure mm-hmm. sure and drum and bass was very much the same way it was like they don't want no they had their own little stage at EDC and it was like a pirate ship and like you would go <laughs> yeah like it's one year it was literally a pirate ship and yeah. I was like this is freaking cool but like there's like not, 40 people I'm here. I'm not there dude. yet. Like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just I got to go see Major Laser or whatever, yeah. you know. I'm not I'm not at the pirate ship level yet. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. they and and you know, within their right, you know, they have, you know, championed this music for so long and they don't want to see it bastardized. Yeah. yeah. And I get it. Which it will eventually. That point that that side of it we get. But <laughs> yeah. then the other side of it is for the genre to grow. Right. right, but mm-hmm. and that's been the catch twenty two forever. Is there hasn't been enough people that like you know? I've been trying to not say this this whole time. <laughs> Another hot take. <laughs> it's a hot take. Yep. I'm gonna blow them up. We like it, but I don't care. They're like two of my closest friends. I love them to to death. 
And I just, I need to say it in a public forum okay. just to say I was right and you were wrong. Let um, it out. But uh, Zed's dead. Yeah. Zach and Dylan. Mm. So, you know, we've obviously made a lot of records together and done a lot of shows together. And the first one we did was a drum and bass record. Um, but when we first started uh, writing music together and, you know, we rented a studio in Hollywood for like five days and just, you know, kind of like writing camp style. And I had this, you know, kind of delusional concept because that's who I was back then. Mm -hmm. Maybe I still am now. Um, but I was like, guys, like, look, if we, three of us who like, you know, we command a certain amount of, you know, attention in the States and like we kind of together, especially have the opportunity to do something that separately we probably really couldn't. And I was like, you guys love drum and bass. I love drum and bass. Why don't we create mm. this like super group of fucking we're Americans doing drum and bass and like kind of be that like, because there has to be that kind of push yeah. to really send it mm. over the edge. And this mm -hmm. was like back in 2017, let's call it. Okay. When like drum and bass was completely non-existent. Sure. And to paraphrase, they were kind of like, no. <laughs> 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 not that they didn't like the idea, but they were just like, you know, not we're not going to work. That. Yeah. Or like it's too much investment for. Too much work. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So, but. And now, and now you see <laughs> Zed's dead back to back chasing status. Sure. Headlining hard summer. Sure. Or we did a, we did a underground warehouse party with them, uh, dead beats, drum and bass. And like it crushed, it was like 3000 people in a warehouse, you know? And like, you know, there's a part of me that like has that, like. I was fucking right. And if they had just listened to me, I could have been a part of this too. Right. But I'm just happy that it's happening in yeah. general. Yeah. You know? And let's, let's not forget, like a lot of people were pretty- Also, Zach and Dylan, I apologize for putting you guys on blast. I, I love you. <laughs> I really do. Um, Don't worry. We'll put that part at the end. But Sam was end right, of, yeah, is what he's he trying right. to say. <laughs> I was right. You were wrong. And now- We'll put that disclaimer at the end of the clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I think, uh, let, let's not forget that a lot of people were predicting drum and bass 2020. And then the mm -hmm. pandemic happened, but it was interesting because that's when a lot of people actually started listening to it in their homes or like yep. in their Twitch totally. DJ sets yep. because people had the freedom to do it. There yep. wasn't like an actual mm -hmm. live audience, so they could play whatever they wanted. And, mm -hmm. and these kids didn't, they weren't like paying tons of money to go to these festivals and be like, okay, like, am I going to take a risk on this? Right. Right. Or do I like go with the shoe in? Like, you know, I have to see this person. Right. You know, right. like your time was super valuable if you're at a festival versus like, totally. You know, you're at home eating fucking potato chips, <laughs> watching that sky, and you're like, yeah. And honestly, like the drum and bass, I think, was percolating. It was like an incubator. Yeah. And then that's why I think, as a, as a reaction to that, we came back in 2021, did the first DNBNL. A lot of this stuff happened at the same time as well for drum and bass. And I was like, hey, we just got a federal extension. It's DNB 2021, you know? Yeah. And now we're back. And <laughs> yeah. now I think it's more breaks. Like, I think now we're, it's getting way more wider in, in yeah. that way. So, yeah. And, and eventually we won't even have to talk about genres anymore. We'll just be like, music. We're not <laughs> yeah. there yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we were. Yeah. We were for a period of time. Yeah. Like, you know, from like, let's call it 2015 to, mm -hmm. I don't know, 19, 20, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, like that's that was like that time where people like me or you know all these other artists like they could kind of just 
play or put out whatever they wanted. Yeah. As long as it wasn't drum and bass. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but like also like pre, like Avicii and Cascade before EDM, like right, all, everything yeah. was just techno mm-hmm. or everything was just yeah, electronic yeah, music yeah, if yeah. You, in the late 2000s or whatever. Yeah. Like, but I, I so. think that was less that, I think that's more of just, it was like American, yeah. like, uh, and this is a word that I understand comes off with a negative tone, but sure. I don't mean it like that. Yeah. American ignorance. Yeah. It is 100% Agreed. ignorance. Yeah. Unfamiliarity to, even. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps the friendlier way yeah, to say that's, that. Yeah, that's a very uh, uh, <laughs> PC way, way yeah. to, to, to say it. No, it's it, like I would, I would DJ frat parties at USC and I would play hip hop and then I'd go into like an electro kind of house part and then guys would come and be like, dude, stop playing this techno, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then two <laughs> like, years later, bad. those same guys were wearing neon going of to course. see Swedish House Mafia. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it happens quick. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you just got to like, Dude, Sometimes. I was I would I would play at my frat parties. Uh, <laughs> I mean, admittedly, like I, I was in a pretty cool frat where like everyone yeah. like genuinely loved dance music. Yeah, but like they would let me DJ, and dude, I played like I would play like uh, like four like super gnarly figure songs. <laughs> Shout out to figure like figure drum and bass records back to back, and like people were just like, oh whoa, this is like really crazy and cool but like they were they weren't in the know enough yet to be like oh this is drum and bass like i don't like this like all dance music was just dance music and it was either like really heavy and gnarly or it was like you know fucking avicii yeah (laughs) well think about how far we've come since then yeah Yeah. now we have a name for everything yeah Yeah. for better for party tech um well i'm sorry what Oh no! No, that's that's just uh, what Sokka had called like the Fisher. Oh, like you were yeah, saying yeah, the Fisher yeah, kind of yeah. a craze, okay. like party tech. And party I was like, tech. damn, that's a I I just I've been using party tech all week. I, that I, made you pause, like you yeah. that like that was you were a, like what? Physical. I knew I knew exactly what you were talking about. I just didn't want to accept. Well, the that truth. that's like a yeah that that's an interesting thing right now when you see like festivals like Crossed, yeah. you know, who have like I think done a really good job about maintaining like the essence mm-hmm. of what they think the music is that represents, you know, their brand, but they also do they book bring the John the people, Yeah. And, they bring in the people that will get the ticket buyers and then yeah. hopefully they, yeah, will, but they it's a good balance. Yeah. But I also think that they kind of have an easier time doing it because they were booking people like Fisher way before Fisher was, you yeah. know, too cool or too big to be cool. I mean, right? I will say that festival yeah. has nailed it as far as yeah. spotting talent before totally. they get big. Cause that was like Billie Eilish's very first festival performance That's ever. That's crazy. Yeah. That's Isn't yeah. that wild. crazy? There well, were like 12 people there. They've done a really good job. She was yeah, also with, probably like 14. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. They've done a really good job with the diversity on, on what they pick ahead of time. But yeah, the, no one I think foresaw the, the influence of like, the, the Fisher Chris Lake kind of effect and party party tech. Tech. <laughs> I, I I feel like party tech is such a nasty way to say it though. I feel yes, like there's really. something better. Like equally it's gonna it's gonna come off equally as bad, but like it needs to be like like big room tech or something like that. Oh. Like right. I mean it's it's tech house for big rooms. It is. You know what I mean? Like it is. it's yeah. it's way I'm just b- reacting. In, Blind reacting it, Sam. You think that's worse than party tech? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. That's well, I mean, I th- I gotta say, going back to the future base thing, or like main stage, I, main, like I, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that's at least like, I get it, party shirts and whatever. Yeah. But like fuck, main stage. party tech, dude. Main stage. Literally makes me makes me want to <laughs> take the foam off of this and just shove it down my throat. <laughs> 
that's good. Oh well, God. anyway, uh, let's talk talk to us about the tour. So yeah, uh, yeah. When uh, so I'm doing a full party tech set. <laughs> <laughs> In which cities uh, we don't know yet. Uh, the party tech tour only big rooms. Um, when does the tour start? Uh, September twenty. Second or 23rd, it's one of those two days. I can't remember. 23rd. Thank you. So a lot of the a lot of the tour and the main kind of concept around it was to try to do uh like city takeovers, so to speak, where it's like, you know, the the first day of the tour is two shows in a day, mm. just because you can do that in Boston. Um, but we were doing a wise show during the day. Mm. Uh on the on the boat party series that they do, which is awesome. Yes, and it's like the perfect vibe. I've seen the clips. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, and I've done I've done the boat party before. Okay, and I've you know when I did it, I I played you know obviously everything, and I was now that I'm the the producer and the performer that I am, and this is again part of the 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 genesis of this concept. There are a lot of places the boat party specifically, you know. Uh, as an example, where I'm like, to me, to go back and play a venue like that, I think that the music that makes the most sense is, you know, the Y show. The Y stuff, yeah. Mm. Um, it's also like before the album was out and I was doing the Off the Deep End shows and that was kind of the the moniker that we used for the for the house shows that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people thought that I was, you know, just completely abandoning everything that used to be Jaws and just saying I'm a tech house bro now. (laughs) But in reality, it's just like there are certain places like nightclubs almost everywhere to a a certain extent um, and just like different rooms where it's like it doesn't make sense for me to play fucking dubstep in these venues. Yeah. You know, especially when they're like a little bit, you know, more not bottle service-y, but like I don't know, like, there's just certain rooms that, like, when I was a kid, and I would go into, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna fuck this place up, (laughs) they're never gonna know what's coming, and now I'm like, okay, like, if I want to properly curate a vibe in this place, like, what does it feel like to me? Yeah. And a lot of those places now are house music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it comes in your maturity. Yeah. Yeah. As a DJ. Yeah. yeah, but there are still lots of kids that like go to those shows and they're like, "Where the fuck is the dubstep? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you?" But that's what this tour is supposed to, yeah, uh, kind of you know uh, uh, provide. Is like you know, if you're a real fan and you really know what's up, you go to the Y show during the day and you get the house music, whatever, and then at night you go to uh, the the night show and that's the wicked show the wicked and you just rage your fucking faces off. Yeah, and then and then you get, you know, I, I, I won't say two for the price of one because I'm pretty sure they're two separate shows. <laughs> yeah. But um, Two experiences. Yeah. Or you get one just day. Op- you're given the option to opt into whichever experience. Yeah. You know? yes. And I mean, you know, for me, like my number one goal is that I see the same fans at each show. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's not going to be the case for everybody. No, but I think that the, for a, a handful and more, yeah. that will be the case. Yeah. 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 Um, but to your point that's also the goal is like for the kids that like they come to the the main jaws show and they're like man i really wish he played more of the housey stuff yeah that's how i got into his music that's what i really like to hear yeah or vice versa with like the the bass music side you know i'm kind of satiating both sides sure but also i get to do it for myself because like the the i guess to really get 
macro about it. The reason I started doing so many of the off the deep end shows that are now, you know, the wise show um, was I was just getting so burnt out of playing heavy bass music all the time that like, you know, like you should, it should elicit from the performer a certain emotional response Yeah. when you play yeah. crazy ass music. I shouldn't want to just sit there and hit play and just kind of be like, yeah. It feels like an assignment or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's just the person that I've always been is like, if I do the same thing too many times, I'm going to get sick of it. Yeah. I mean, you're not the only person in your field and, and I'm sure many of your friends. No, I'm the, the only one. <laughs> I'm the only one going through this. This is a singular experience. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, I, I just remember off the top of my head, like Getter going through a sim similar experience and then creating Visceral, which I thought was one of his best albums, you know? Dude, by a fucking mile. I mean, and one of the best albums of that year, you Dude. know? But you remember the backlash that came. We did the first Visceral set at the Shrine. It was amazing. But for him in his individual lane, there was like this huge blowback, you know? And oh. remember, it got to the point where this guy was like, play more bangers. And he brought the guy up on stage and was like, you play. Oh, the guy started DJing Drama. off his, yeah, it was funny. So I just think that it's, it's, no, you're totally right. It's cool to see you kind of like have that realization. And yeah. then this is like the but, product. And exactly what you brought up is the inherent risk. Even though I'm still like, I put out an entire album of, you know, the wise style of music. I'm putting out an entire album of the wicked style of music. The real secret is like, there's probably a lot of fans that are going to realize sooner than later, like, if they were expecting mainline down the middle bass house jaws, they're not getting it from either of these albums. Like mm. these are, mm. I, I would almost equate them to like concept albums. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it also, if you've been a fan of mine for long enough or even not that long and you've seen a show, you're, you've heard me play these kinds of music. So mm. it should still inherently feel like me. And whenever I play a show, it's going to feel like a Jaws show, no matter what kind of music I'm playing. Mm. I would at least hope, you know? Yeah. Um, but that is the inherent risk is that, you know, you have kids, no matter how much, you know, uh, of the right language and the right, you know, whatever you put out there, there's still going to be some kid who shows up and is like, play dubstep or play this song or play that song. And you're like, oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah. I guess my point in bringing it up is like, I'm, I'm going into this with the mentality of like, you know, it, I don't expect everyone to like, hear the albums, see the tour go up and immediately get it. That yep. would be, that would be too delusional. Right. <laughs> that would be. Um, so it's like, this is kind of like just the genesis of these, you know, new experiences that will grow over a long period of time. It's not like, you know, I, I, I would hope that people have kind of seen this coming for a while and that it was kind of like, you know, a natural progression but for a lot of people it's going to be a bit of an adjustment process and the one thing that i will say that i want to make very clear is if you take anything from any of this just because we're doing this tour right now and just because these are the two albums that i'm putting out right now it just absolutely does not mean that this is all that is mm -hmm. you know coming out and in the near future yeah. and it's also not the only thing that i'm doing yeah. yeah it's just worth putting a lot of emphasis on it right now because you know it's it's almost like you were saying it's almost like creating two side projects at once yeah you know yeah well, and it's like, exciting yeah I, mean, I feel like it's, it's cool 
it's a going to be a fun new chapter. It's a way to make myself feel young again, Val. <laughs> that too. Reborn again, perhaps. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that you came here to tell us more about it. Because I feel like even talking to you and hopefully people listening to this will understand a little bit more about how it, long. If I had to explain this. it like this to you guys, for you to wrap your heads around it, imagine how the people who aren't I know. like deep in the ecosystem it's a good learning lesson for them yeah this will be a good companion piece for it for it. but also you covered a lot of great things about just like the ins and outs of this whole journey and it's just been awesome to have you here so thank I, you. like i said I, I, I love talking about myself <laughs> thank you for giving me a platform to just indulge <laughs> myself in the our pleasure yeah i know but i will say i do want to ask you about one thing before we let yeah, you yeah. go because yeah. i have nothing but time today i yeah. can't <laughs> let you go without asking about becoming a new dad that's been a big chapter for you yeah. over these past few months. It's actually, I'm sure people will be refreshed when they listen to this and yeah. th that it's not just been baby talk the whole okay. time because it's something <laughs> that I can't shut up about. But yeah. that's also just inherently part of being a new parent. Like, yeah. And you started the story, I mean, this whole conversation with the most adorable story about you and Joanne meeting. So yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I have to um, hear about, yeah, it's, how's it, it been? It's fucking rad, dude. Yeah. It's like, it's so tight. Um, It's definitely like, I think, you know, to try to, uh, uh, you know, say something about it that kind of makes sense in the context of the conversation today, mm. one of the coolest things that I think it's done for me is, like, just, like, mentally, you have so much less bandwidth mm -hmm. for bullshit because there's so much new bullshit in your life that's like <laughs> baby bullshit but yeah. so important. Yes. It's like it's not bullshit at all but like you know what I mean? So it's like it it very quickly even before she was born like even when Joanne was pregnant like there were so many things that like you know whether it's like you know certain shows or certain this or certain that that it's like oh you know like I I should do it for this or for that. And like, mm -hmm. I don't really want to, but like, it'll probably be good for this or good for that. And like, I don't have any of those thoughts now. Mm -hmm. It's just like, do I want to do this? Yes. Great. No. Great. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I don't feel like, because I guess before it was like, what the fuck else am I doing with my life? Like, why would I say no mm -hmm. to going here or going there or doing this or doing that? I have nothing better to do. Like, yeah. Like, this is, this is my life. Like, you know, uh, and now it's like, again, this might come off the wrong way, but <laughs> I very much have better things to do now. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. I have a human child that I have to, you know, like uh, raise and protect. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just, it's made a lot of decisions really, really easy. Yeah. And put a lot of things in perspective. Put a lot of things yeah. in perspective. Yeah, you're like, all right, this is... Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. This is important. But, yeah. but like, I, I guess the thing that I'm happy about is like, I kind of had this fear, not recently, but like for a while that like, once I had a kid, I'd be like, well, all right, now it's time to sell out and just <laughs> make bullshit music that'll get lots of streams yeah. so that I can collect a check and fucking call it a day. <laughs> and I've probably done the complete opposite of that by making these very hyper-specialized uh, borderline concept borderline concept <laughs> quasi-genre specific albums and yeah. a tour concept that yeah. like is you know a lot more effort yeah. uh, and a lot more of an investment than yeah. just like go out and collect checks and like kind of maintain the status quo and, and 
whatever. You but know? do you think unintentionally becoming a father has kind of given you that that jump start and a little bit of a fresh yeah, energy? Yeah, I mean, these are things that I've kind of had cooking for a while. Yeah. Before the baby was cooking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, if I'm not going to do this shit now, I'm never yeah. going to do it. That's true. Yeah. And it's like, do I want to just keep doing the same fucking shit that I'm doing right now? Or do I want to actually like, kind of like go for it and yeah. like, you might not to, tour for the rest of your, you know, not for the whole rest I mean, of your life. Hey, you man, Tiesto's still out there doing <laughs> it. He has I know. two beautiful kids he and a wonderful and family. Kids too, yeah. Bring him on tour. Bring well, the kids on. Yeah. Was, does, she well, like well, your, does she like your music? Have you played her your music? Um. So, <laughs> the yes but like she's also like fucking nine months old so like she <laughs> so likes we'll we'll she see. likes just about everything but uh i when i played in vegas this last weekend uh joanne's mom and uh the baby drove out to meet us in vegas because we were flying in from chicago and uh i played at marquee which is at the cosmo and we happened to have one of the suites at the cosmo that uh, it had like the balcony and the balcony was like pointing straight down or like the view was like just yeah. the, the day club. So Joanne's mom was babysitting the kid when oh. my show happened. And when she woke up from her nap, they like went out on the balcony and like she can like kind of got to like see sm- it. I mean, she probably didn't see anything. <laughs> But for okay. me, it was technically her first show. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. That's Joanne, so that's amazing. <laughs> Joanne tried to see if she could surprise me by bringing the baby to the show. Oh, but, chaos. Uh, but no, that club doesn't exist anymore. It used to be a club <laughs> in Vegas. Um, that was funny. But yeah, Vegas nightclubs and uh, babies don't really mix. Her ID got taken away. Her fake yeah. ID got taken away. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, you're um, not old. Wasn't, wasn't, to be wasn't here. very How many convincing. years? Uh, try months. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's oh, awesome. That's well, so thank good. you so much again for coming through. I mean, we had to bring you back to, to school. Yeah. And now I'm going to fucking hang out here and make tunes like the good old days. That's great. Wow, look at that. Hell yeah. Congrats. That's a great reason. Yeah, what a thank good time. You. Yeah, it. thank you again. And thanks to Icon for having us. Shout out Yate. Shout out Jose on the ones and twos. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the road. Shout out to uh, uh, San Holo and especially shout out to, <laughs> to Zed's Dead. <laughs> Sorry for putting you guys on blast. Nah, it's all good. All it's forgiven. all good. It all comes from a good place. Well, I'm glad you forgive me, but I'll maybe maybe one of these days I'll get a text from Zach and Dylan and be like, "What the fuck did you say?" <laughs> we'll put it this time. Yeah. Uh, all right, y'all. We'll see you soon.